0: Hi friends, this is Megan and you're listening to the She Lives Purposely podcast, where we encourage women to love Jesus and live purposely in every area of life. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the She Lives Purposefully podcast. My name is Megan, and I am the host of this podcast and the founder of She Lives Purposefully. And I am so glad that you are here. That you chose to spend um, whatever day you are listening on, but you chose to spend this time to listen to this podcast. To number one, choose to be encouraged and equipped. But I am so just honored that you chose to do that in this space. So I am so so glad that you are here. This is going to be such a Good episode. I hope and pray that you are encouraged and equipped today by our conversation. Um, my heart is for you, for you to walk with Jesus well and for you to live purposefully. As always, I want to encourage you before we start this episode to share this episode with one friend today. Build them up in their walk with Christ. Send them this Bible study um, podcast episode. I know that I can't wait to share it with my friends, which is all of you. So I just want to encourage you to do the same. And if you haven't yet, of course, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single piece of encouragement, a single encouraging episode starting last month. um, We started doing two episodes a week instead of just one. Mondays is our Bible study days. Um, And we, before this new book that we're starting today, we went through the book of Ruth. And um, and then we do kind of a topical and guest interviews on Thursdays, which is really exciting too. Um, okay, so now whether you are taking notes, sitting down, you're ready to go, maybe you're driving. It's usually when I listen to podcasts. Also cleaning, cooking, all the things. Maybe you're at work. Whatever it is, be ready to be encouraged and equipped. We are starting a new book of the Bible today to study, to dive into. And I have to be honest with you, the book that we're doing is one of my absolute favorite books of the Bible. I love this story. I went through it in a girl study that my best friend and I Posted a couple of years ago, and we led that study. We went through the book of Esther, and I absolutely just fell in love with it more than ever before. It is so powerful, um, and there are so many incredible lessons to learn from it. The Lord has spoken to me so much through this book, and I am so excited to pour all of that out here with you um, and just to go through it together. Um, before we do dive in, I want to encourage you the link is in the show notes. I have a free. Downloadable Esther study um, that you can grab, download. It'll be in your inbox. And if you want to, you can go through the book of Esther with us in this study. Um, I'm basically going through parts of the study. So I definitely encourage you to do that. Um, If if you want to have it kind of in your hands or on your iPad, laptop, whatever it is, um, I know that that study was popping when it first came out. Oh my gosh, I was like, stunned by the amount of you that downloaded it number one but also just came in with incredible praise the Lord like encouragement from it like you guys were so encouraged from it people sharing it in their stories on posts saying what they learned from it was just like the most incredible thing and basically all I could ever ask for from the study was that the Lord used it to encourage and equip you. So I encourage you if you haven't already to definitely download the Esther study on the Sheila's purposefully Um, site. And again, I'm going to link that here as well. Okay. So first things first, we are going to, um, well, today we're going to be going through chapter one. Um, And so I just want to read chapter one with you. I think it's important that we actually read the things in scripture that we're talking about. So I want to do that with you. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, you'll know that I am course constantly looking a little bit to my left to the laptop which is where i have all my notes so i apologize i'm trying to maintain some good eye contact um but that is just not always the case i think i literally just did i just looked at my notes okay so pull out your bibles if you are sitting down ready to study and if you again are driving all the things then you know just listen in, be so encouraged by the word of god and what he wrote here so esther one goes like this now in the days of asarus the asarus who reigned from india to ethiopia over 127 provinces in those days when king asarus sat on the royal throne in susa the citadel in the third year of his reign he gave a feast for all his officials and servants the army of persia and media and the nobles and governors and the provinces were before provinces were before him while he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, a 180 days. And when these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa the citadel, both great and small, a feast lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars and also couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry fiery marble mother of pearl and precious stones drinks were served in golden vessels vessels of different kinds and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king and drinking was according to this edict there is no compulsion, for the king had given orders to all the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women in the palace that belonged to King Aseris. Um On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bistha, Harbona, Biktha, and Ab. Bagtha, Zethar, and Carcas, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. At this, the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment. The men next to him being Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Marys, Marasena, and Memuken, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, What is to be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs? Then Memucan said in the presence of all the king, of the king and the officials, not only against the queen, The king, sorry. Not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in the provinces of King Ahasuerus. And the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of all the queen's behavior, will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it please the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Thashti is never again to come before the king, to come before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memukin proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man may be master in his own household, and speak according to the language of his people." So that is Esther chapter one. I'm pretty sure I pronounced the king's name different every single time that I said it. So I am, I just apologize for that. Um, so let's, now that we've read that, let's kind of dive in generally to the book of Esther. Who is Esther? Esther is a Jewish queen of a Persian empire. So we are going to see in this story that a girl named Esther, who is a Jew, will eventually become queen in Queen Vashti's place. Where is the book of Esther found? If you are still looking for it in your Bibles or you're not sure where it is, the book is found in the Bible right before the book of Job, two books before Psalms. When does the account of Esther take place in history? The historical account of Esther is dated to 4th century BC. Who wrote the book of Esther? The book of Esther was originally written by Mordecai, Esther's cousin, who became eventually second in rank to King Ahasuerus. How long is the book of Esther? The book of Esther is 10 chapters, so if you were with us for the book of Ruth that was only 4 chapters, Esther is going to be 10 chapters an interesting note for the Book of Esther is that the word of the word God isn't mentioned once. Um, yet in this book, we'll see how God is incredibly involved. We'll see that while Mordecai doesn't mention God by name in the writing, the morals and beliefs in God are what drove the choices. The choices of both Esther and Mordecai. So let's just look. This is something that fascinates me so much is the actual history of the book because the things that we're reading in scripture are not just, you know, fun Bible stories or fairy tales or anything along those lines. This isn't just your classic princess story where be this random, girl becomes the queen All you know, these things. It's not just a story for moral sake, but it's actual history that the Lord is involved in. So I love, love, love diving into and looking into where this actually takes place in history. So in 483 BC, Queen Vashti was deposed. In 478 BC, Esther became queen. Um, So that's like a five-year gap right there. In 478 BC, Mordecai thwarts a conspiracy that we are going to see later on. In 474 BC, Haman, who will be introduced later, seeks revenge on the Jews. In 473 BC, Esther prepares her famous banquet. In 473 BC as well, the king honors Mordecai and Haman, we'll see later, is hanged. And in 472 BC, is instituted. So that's kind of a timeline there of the book of Esther. We kind of see there's a nine to ten year um, storyline that takes place in these ten chapters, Um, and then it again is actual history. Um, So this isn't something that's made up, which is just makes it so incredible um, that it is kept like this for us to read, and that the Lord is involved in these stories, just as he is involved in all of history and in all of our stories. Okay, so chapter one in this chapter we are introduced to a king his queen and his wise men the king hosts a massive banquet and at this banquet demands that queen vashti come and show off her beauty to him and all of his drunk male guests queen vashti refuses and the king then after consulting with his wise men quote unquote wise divorces queen vashti I, I wanted to word it like that, kind of word the summary of this chapter like that, because I think it's so important to know, if you've seen, you know, the VeggieTale version of the story, um, the story of Esther can seem like, oh my goodness, you know, how lucky is this girl to become queen and all of these things. The story of Esther is really tragic and it starts in this first chapter where we see the pride of a king um just wanting to show off his queen to all of these other male men male men (laughs) all of these other men who are drunk and just want to see her for her beauty and it's demeaning and it's the situation that's really hard for her. Um, and, and then he ends up divorcing her because she won't do that. And because in his eyes, she disrespected him. So um, it starts with this. And I wanted to make sure that we're clear that this situation, the king in general, this whole story is really a hard situation. So um, that is the summary of the chapter there. Let's dive into one of my favorite things. In verses 1 through 3, uh, we just see how God is a God of proof. We see how specific the writer is in regards to historically placing this story. He provides names, he provides a time period, and he provides a place. The writer is so specific that it allows the book and its content to be historically checked, just like we talked about earlier. I love this because it speaks to the fact that our God is a historical God. This also shows us that God knows and is involved in history, in palaces, and in the lives of normal people. God is at work in the biggest moments of the time and with the most important people and their decisions, even when they don't acknowledge him. He is at work in the lives and the decisions of the humble and of the unknown as well. He is involved in individual lives and in the big picture. His hand is in it all, and he knows all of the details. Okay, and then right after the, ver- the first three verses um, that really just give us the history, the beginning of this book starts with a major feast that is marked by pride. It begins in verses four through eight with an 180 day feast for a king to basically just show off the stage is set with pride as a driving force with such a strong theme we can anticipate that this attitude is what will be also at the center of whatever is to follow the scene and that's something that we really see in verses 10 through 22 we see pride demand a wife come and show off and we see it get offended and angered when its demands are not met. We see pre, we see pride lead to rash decisions. In verses 10 through 22, the king demands Queen Vashti come and show off her beauty to a group of drunken men like we talked about. And when Queen Vashti refuses, the results are life and history changing. The king is filled with anger and seeks counsel from his wise men. We soon see that all of these men are yes men. Looking to feed the king's fire by amplifying his anger. We see that especially in verses 14 through 29. These men take the situation and exaggerate its consequences, which leads to a rash and severe act by the king, divorcing his queen. Pride makes demands and it gets offended. Pride, which is a sin, affects big and small things. It affects How much people drink, it affects marriages, and it affects decisions of entire nations. Pride drives drives selflessness out of selfishness. It makes way for self-serving decisions no matter how cruel. It drives disrespect and an inability to see others' point of view. It drives offense, anger, and rash choices. Pride puts you in the right and sees others as less than. Pride exaggerates an offense, making it harder to forgive and harder to move forward, making it easier to be bitter and easier to react in anger. We learn major lessons from the king in this chapter. Don't make decisions out of pride. Don't make choices drunk. Don't make choices in anger. And don't let pride and an inability to forgive and anger drive choices. Okay, so I touched on really briefly how the king goes to his wise men which we realize are actually yes men. And I just want to dive into that, what that looks like and the dangers there. So again, after Queen Vashti refuses to show off before the king and his men, the king in anger goes to his wise men for counsel. And in verses 14 through 19, we find that this group of men have a major influence on the king's decisions. They are his wise men, the people that the king trusts and goes to for counsel. And the very first words that come out of their mouths fuel the king's pride. They amplify the situation, expressing that Basti's decision not only is against the king and his problems and our reason to be offended, um, but they're also against the people of the nation. They validate his drunken, prideful offense and encourage a reaction that matches not only the problem itself but a problem that they imagined up a they, they imagined coming from this situation. They say exactly what someone who is offended wants to hear, support and validation. The king is surrounded by yes men. Support and validation are incredible tools, I'm not knocking those, they are powerful tools, but when used in incorrect situations, they can cause major problems and an increase in pride. From an outside look, we can see that these wise men are no good to the king. That's an incredible check for our own lives. Who around us are just yes men or yes women? Who do we surround ourselves with? Are they just telling us what, you know, we want to hear? And who are we for other people? Are we yes women in the lives of other people? Or are we women who are actually going to give real advice, you know, from the Lord, um, call people out and they need to be called out in love? Um, Or again, are we just yes women saying whatever our friends or family want to hear? think lesson one, let's use our support and validation to encourage goodness, not bitterness, pride, and anger. Lesson two, let's be careful who we surround ourselves with. Are we surrounded by yes-men who will only tell us what we want to hear, hyping us up in our sinful anger? And who are we? Are we those people that encourage bitterness and pride? And lesson three, let's also be careful to not be someone who, like the king, only listens to yes-men, only allowing people who will only say we're right into our lives and following the opinions of others blindly. Okay, so we can't, you know, leave this chapter without this really emphasized topic in, in chapter one, drunkenness. Whenever a writer notes and repeats something, it means we are supposed to pay attention and key in. Drinking is mentioned three times in this one chapter specifically at the beginning of the scene in verses seven, eight, and 10. Drunkenness here amplifies the pride already on display. It leads to the decisions that shape the entire story and it ruins the lives of others. The writer finds that it's important to note that these cruel and selfish actions, demands and decisions were not made or initiated sober. The writer wants us to to take note of this not only to observe the damage in others' lives from a lifestyle of drunkenness, but to take inventory in our own lives. There are a number of verses about drunkenness in the Bible, and the overwhelming feel to these verses is a negative context. It's something that God doesn't approve of. In fact, to not be drunk is a command. And with a story like this, we can see on a very practical level the possibilities of drunkenness and drunkenness, drunken negative impacts, sorry. We will see how God uses decisions like these made in drunkenness, though, for his glory and his people's good. He can use all choices and all decisions for his glory and his people's good. For more verses on drunkenness, I'm just going to list these here. You can read Ephesians 5.18, Galatians 5.21, Proverbs 21, 1 Corinthians 6, 10, Proverbs 23, verses 31 through 35, Romans 13, 13, Proverbs 23, verses 20 through 21, Romans 14, 21, 1 Timothy 3, 8 and Proverbs 31, 4 through 5. And, you know, of course, so many more. The last thing that I want to mention about this chapter, and I, I think it's so important to note, it's something that really hit me, I think, for the first time when I went through, like I said, this book with my girl's study. And maybe it was because it was girl's study, I was really empowered about women and women in the Bible and all these things. Um, I really just want to dive into Queen Vashi and recognize her, I think, again in the um, VeggieTales version. You know, she's kind of like somebody who is just kicked out, and, and you know, she doesn't really give any, she doesn't really get any, um, I guess, notice for who she is. And it kind of seems like she is the bad guy in the situation, from what I remember. Maybe that's totally inaccurate, and I have to rewatch the VeggieTales version, but that's kind of the vibe that I got. Anyway, In Chapter 1, we meet one of the leading ladies in this book, Queen Vashti. Queen Vashti is only mentioned a handful of times in the book of Esther. The only real glimpse we get into her life from the writer's perspective is this scene where she refuses to, quote, come at the king's command, end quote. Again this was a command in which the king wanted Queen Vashti to come with her royal crown to show off her beauty to drunken men. Bible Gateway states this, For Vashti to appear in the banquet hall, though dressed in her royal robes and crowned, would be almost as degrading for a modern woman of our modern world to go naked into a man's party. Queen Vashti had enough self-respect to say no. Her self-respect and boldness gave way to God saving the Jews, even if she didn't know it or have an active role in it. What we can learn from Queen Vashti, and I think this is something that's really important, especially as women, don't let others cause you to degrade yourself. And and that's just a small lesson there. I just I think I really grew to admire the self-respect that she had for herself, just in this you know moment and in this quiet defiance. Um, And ultimately, you know, this didn't turn out well for her at all. Um, But the Lord used it, again, for his glory and the good of his people. This decision gives way to a whole scene and a whole season of life, um, a totally transforming point in history that is going to end up saving the Jews here. So what is a takeaway or takeaways that we can take away from this chapter? As the book progresses, we will see that God uses people's choices and qualities, both good and bad, for his good and for his people's good. Even in this, even in this hard chapter, this hard situation, God is involved and will use it to bring a Jew into the kingdom and ultimately save and bring vengeance for his people. That is chapter one of Esther. Um, I hope and pray that you were encouraged by this episode. Don't miss next week episode on um, on Esther 2 I'm really excited about that or later this week as well don't miss we are going to um, hopefully be doing a QA and a with my husband Donnie which I am so excited about this is something that literally 96% of you requested on Instagram um, and have been requesting for a while so I'm excited for him to come on the podcast um, and I opened up the floor to you guys for a bunch of questions and they came flooding in so we're going to be doing a QA and a with him I'm so excited so be sure not to miss that um the next couple episodes we have are honestly bombs so i'm really excited for them um so be sure to not miss a single one again i hope and pray you were encouraged by this episode if you were be sure to encourage and equip one of your friends today build them up in their faith and send this episode to them and if you haven't yet as always subscribe to the sheila's purposefully podcast and feel free to leave a review um on um yeah wherever you listen to podcasts friend, live for Jesus well, live purposefully. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. I love you, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. I would love to hear what you thought about the podcast on Instagram at SheLivesPurposefully and to rate and review us wherever you're listening from. It really helps us to serve you guys better and just lets us know what you're thinking and feeling and what you're looking for even. Um, So feel free to do that. And also tell your friends about the podcast. Let them know if it's been an encouragement to you, go and encourage them with it. Thank you so much again for listening. I love you, friends.